Hi everyone, this is Nephrology Social Media Collective Capstone Podcast from Pod 2 or 2K22. Hello everyone, welcome aboard. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today. My name is Param Veer Singh. I go by Param. I tweet at ParamMD. And it is my pleasure to be your host today. I have no conflict of interest. I'm an SMC Pod 2 intern, the proud 2K22. And our group lead is Anju Yadav at Doc Anju Yadav. Well, the reason for today's podcast is to discuss a very interesting article called the Sodium Heart Failure Trial published in The Lancet in April 2022. So our podcast has published a blog post and a visual abstract at nefjc.com website. And we also did a tutorial and a Twitter journal club. I'm very excited to tell that I'm joined by our team, Anand and Rachel. So let's say hi to them. And before I do that, let me quickly share a fun fact with you. This is a cross-continental podcast we are at this time in USA, Australia, and India, and our collaboration knows no boundaries, thanks to NSMC. Hi, Anand. Thanks for joining. You want to introduce yourself? Thanks, Param. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Anand Chalapan, and I work as an assistant professor in the Department of Nephrology at the All India Institute of Medical Sciences, Nagpur, which is in India, and I tweet at Anand the Jock. I've always believed the sodium in salt makes food taste better. Apart from that, I have no disclosures to make and no conflicts of interest. Yeah, that's so interesting. Of course, the salt makes food taste better. But I'm just curious, what yeah. time in India is it, Anand? Param, it's 4.30 p.m. here and I've just completed my OPD and I've counseled a lot of patients on salt today. <laughs> well, it's 7.30 a.m. here in Detroit. Hey Rachel, how are you? Thanks for joining in. You want to introduce yourself? Uh, thanks. Thanks so much for the introduction. My name is Rachel Kermond and I'm a camping enthusiast and paediatric nephrologist coming to you from Adelaide in Australia. Twitter handle is at Kidney Rachel and I too have no conflict or disclosures except for a big love of all things salty, ocean included. Yeah, that's a common disclosure we have. We all love salt, don't we? I was just curious, what time is it for you? Uh, here it's 10 p.m., so a bit later. All right. After our lovely introduction, I want to share with, with all, with permission from Anand, because he gave us an interesting idea to make this journal discussion as a podcast in form of a debate. And we all thought it was very exciting. Talking about sodium heart failure trial, the study title is Reduction of Dietary Sodium to Less Than 100 Millimoles in Heart Failure an international open-label randomized control trial, or the sodium heart failure trial. The study was published in the Lancet Journal on 2nd April this year. And Anand takes the pro-approach, or the affirmative, and Rachel takes against approach. Let's begin with Anand. Anand, you want to take it on and tell us what the trial was about and what was the research question? And was it an appropriate research question? Absolutely, Param, yes. So let me begin by telling you 
the sodium hf trial on debate today is the largest and the longest randomized control trial to be done on the topic till date that's creditable isn't it so the investigators have set out to answer the question of whether a reduction of dietary sodium intake to less than 100 millimole would confer benefit in terms of reducing the incidence of future clinical events in patients with symptomatic heart failure i was actually surprised to know that the common recommendation of low salt intake we have been giving to patients with heart failure isn't actually backed by robust evidence there are observational data which suggest an association between salt intake and increased risk for hospitalization however these studies vary in their protocols and the measured methods of measurement of sodium and fluid intake in addition to several other factors and this makes it very difficult to draw firm conclusions out of them there were three rcts even which showed worse outcomes with sodium restriction in patients with heart failure and reduced ejection fraction a systematic review was done by matani and colleagues that included nine studies involving 479 participants and they identified a variable risk of bias in these studies and finally concluded that there is a paucity of robust or high quality evidence to support or refute the existing guidance on salt restriction in patients with heart failure wow such a common recommendation and not backed by robust data well i wonder what do the guidelines recommend then now coming to the guidelines on sodium restriction in heart failure they just reflect the lack of evidence the european society of cardiology did not give any specific recommendation on dietary sodium intake for patients with heart failure way back in 2012 and it continues to maintain the stand in their latest recommendations in 2021 in fact dietary sodium restriction is identified as a common issue that deserves to be addressed in future clinical research to fill the knowledge gaps the american heart association american college of cardiology foundation guidelines suggest moderate sodium restriction in patients with symptomatic heart failure this was in 2009 and the level of restriction was not specified here in the latest 2022 guidelines they give a level 2a recommendation for dietary sodium restriction they recommend avoiding excessive sodium intake in patients with symptomatic heart failure however the level of sodium intake is again not specified to make a note here the american heart association currently recommends a reduction of sodium intake to less than 2300 mg per day that is 2.3 g per day for general cardiovascular health promotion however there are no trials to support this level of restriction in patients with heart failure wow even the guidelines are not consistent so what do you think of the study research question anand the research question was very pertinent and intention to generate robust evidence through a randomized control trial is definitely commendable Yeah I'm surprised it's a common recommendation and lacks a robust data behind it and we are discussing a very important trial then because it's randomized control trial so thanks for sharing your input let's move over to Rachel and see what her views are any concerns you want to share Rachel As Anand has so beautifully summarized there is no denying the prior to the sodium heart failure trial the literature was sparse and the foundation for a low salt diet in heart failure was pretty rocky Given this, the basis of the trial was excellent. It aimed to determine once and for all in a large cohort of individuals with heart failure if a low-salt diet had any effect on a very generalizable primary composite outcome. And this outcome was of cardiovascular-related hospital admissions, cardiovascular-related emergency department visits, or on all-cause death within 12 months. Thanks for summarizing the end points. Did you notice any concerns? 
Like you mentioned, Param, I do have a few concerns to raise up front. Things I'll explore a little later. Firstly, the SALT intake of both treatment and control groups on commencement of the study was already in line with the current Canadian and American Heart Association's recommendations. So in truth, the study assessed the effect of further restricting SALT below these recommendations, but did not truly challenge these recommendations, to say. Secondly, whilst this is a big study, it was cut short for both operational um, issues and the effects of COVID-19 pandemic. No one escaped from COVID-19 pandemic effects. The authors initially estimated a sample size of 992 patients would give adequate power to detect a 30% reduction in this primary outcome. But with 800 participants enrolled, this sample size was not met and the study underpowered. And thirdly, uh, well, actually, I might stop there. I don't want to give away all my arguments. Ah, keeping the surprise there, Rachel, huh? It's hard to obtain surprise. <laughs> but let's keep going and explore the next section of the paper. Anand? Can you share your take on the methodology section of the trial, please? Yeah, sure. So the sodium HF trial was a multi-center, open-label, pragmatic, randomized control trial that enrolled patients at 26 sites in six countries. The inclusion criteria was simple. Patients aged more than 18 years with chronic heart failure, defined as the NYHA class 2 to 3, and receiving optimally tolerated guideline-directed medical therapy were included. The diagnosis of chronic heart failure was clinical and not based on the estimation of ejection fraction or assessment of natiuretic peptide level. This actually falls in line with the definition of heart failure, which says, heart failure is a clinical syndrome consisting of cardinal symptoms like breathlessness, ankle swelling, and fatigue that may be accompanied by signs like elevated jugular venous pressure, pulmonary crackles, and pulmonary edema that result from any structural or functional impairment of ventricular filling or ejection of blood. If we look at the baseline characteristics of the patients enrolled in this trial, nearly 70% of the patients in both groups were diagnosed with heart failure for more than a year, and nearly 30% were hospitalized for heart failure in the preceding year. So there is no doubt that these were patients of heart failure. That was a very succinct summary of inclusion criteria, Anand. What about exclusion criteria? Now, they excluded patients with an average sodium intake of less than 1,500 mg per day, a serum-sodium concentration of less than 130 millimoles per liter, an estimated GFR of less than 20 ml per minute per 1.73 meter square, or dialysis-dependent renal failure, and admission to hospital for a cardiovascular cause in the past month. Anand, do you have any comments on trial execution? Now, coming to the execution of the trial. The best part of this trial that I feel is its pragmatic nature. The investigators have tried to restrict sodium intake by utilizing meal plans and menus that were locally adapted to reflect the regional nature of the diet. Patients were given a normal caloric prescription adhering to most cardiovascular diet guidelines. Now, this approach seems very practical to me due to several reasons. Number one, in a real-life situation, it is difficult to give prepared sodium-restricted meals to participants of such a large trial extending over a long period. Such an approach definitely was tried by few studies in the past, like the Prohibit HF and the Gourmet HF. Now, the results of such studies may not be replicable in a real-life situation due to several other factors which affect the outcomes. And number two is unlike drugs, dietary sodium restriction is a lifestyle change. 
and it requires patient compliance, understanding, and adherence. That's so true. Lifestyle change is always difficult. Let's keep going and discuss the study design now. Now, going forward, in this trial, the patients were assigned in a one-to-one manner to either usual care or low sodium. By low sodium, we mean less than 1,500 uh, milligrams per day. Anand, I was curious how they measured daily sodium intake. An important obstacle for trials evaluating the effect of dietary sodium restriction is the method of assessment of sodium intake. Now, the use of 24 hours urine sodium estimation is the usual reference standard, which was not done in this study, and this is raised as a criticism by many. Now, the investigators used the three-day food record, which seems practical and pragmatic. I would like to point out here that 24-hour collections are difficult to perform on a large scale, and values would definitely be affected by the use of diuretics, which are commonly used in the management of patients with heart failure. In fact, a study done by Joanne Arkheim and colleagues evaluated whether the diagnosis of heart failure or the use of loop diuretic therapy for heart failure compromises the validity of a 24-hour urine collection as a surrogate marker for sodium intake. They found that the assessment of sodium intake food record agree well with 24-hour collections in non-heart failure patients with cardiovascular disease and in heart failure patients who are not receiving loop diuretics, but not for heart failure patients who are on loop diuretics. So majority of patients are actually on uh, loop diuretics if we see, and uh, the validity of using a 24-hour urine collection is actually questionable. And in fact, the food records seem to be a reliable method to in fact assess the sodium intake in these patients. That's so interesting that 24-hour food record is found to be a reliable method in these patients. Any inputs on study results? Finally, coming to the outcome measures. The primary outcome was a composite of cardiovascular-related hospitalization, emergency department visits, and all-cost mortality within 12 months of randomization. Though the trial was open label, there was a blinded clinical events committee which adjudicated all these events. Secondary endpoints included the time to the first event within 12 months, change in the quality of life score, physical limitation score from the Kansas City Cardiomyopathy Questionnaire, uh, which goes by the abbreviation KCQS, a change in the six-minute walk distance, and a change in the NYHA functional class. What is the KCQS questionnaire? Never heard of that before. It's a self-administered questionnaire developed to independently measure the patient's perception of their health status, which includes heart failure symptoms, impact on physical and social function, and how their heart failure impacts the quality of life within a two-week recall period. So that's all about the methods and how the uh, trial was executed. To summarize, the investigators have designed and executed a really pragmatic randomized control trial to answer the research question. Yeah, that was a very thorough take on methodology. And I do agree with your conclusions. It was very pragmatic. It was very clinical definition of heart failure. I'm impressed by their method section. I would be interested to know if Rachel is also impressed. She has any inputs. So let's move over to Rachel. Thanks again. So I think I might have to accept defeat here. I think refuting this method seems a little pointless. Um, the sodium HF trial was very well designed. The sample size required for power was well established, the inclusion and exclusion criteria were sound, and the intervention very nicely considered. It was implemented by trained professionals who demonstrated effectiveness in prior pilot study. 
The authors also had a sensible and pragmatic approach to measuring potentially subjective data. And by that, I mean the salt intake within, with the three-day diary. And the outcome measures are very easily applied to our heart failure population. Despite this, I wouldn't be the rebuttal team if I didn't have some criticisms. Firstly, the targeted salt restriction of the intervention group was a little confusing. Uh, the title implies a salt restriction of 100 millimoles per day, which is equivalent to 2,300 milligrams per day. The method section, however, indicates that this value of 100 millimoles per day is actually equivalent to 1,500 milligrams per day. Wow, that could be a criticism of the study. And I wonder what could have caused this. I suspect this is just a typographic error, but the, um, because the former is actually correct. But it is crucial and a confusing error at that. Um, if the authors are truly targeting this um, less than 1,500 milligrams per day, this is equivalent to 65 millimoles per day and needs to be both clarified and corrected. Secondly, the salt restriction itself was not representative of the current worldwide heart failure guidelines. Any other concerns with the study conduct? As an undiscussed earlier, the current recommendations vary, but generally suggest a salt restriction of less than 2,000 to 3,000 milligrams per day. And therefore, I wonder if the restriction utilised, this less than 1,500 milligrams per day, truly answers the study's question. That question being, does the recommended salt restriction for heart failure confer any clinical benefit or reduce the risk of poor outcome? Further to this, I think we have to be really careful not to restrict salt too aggressively. I might have my pediatric hat on here, but we must keep in mind that sodium is an essential nutrient involved in um, the maintenance of cellular homeostasis, and the diets too heavily restricted in, um, can lead to caloric restriction and also macro and micronutrient deficiencies. My third criticism was around a lack of data related to diuretic use. Um, diuretics, as we all know, have a naturetic effect and therefore an important confounding factor to account for in the analysis. Finally, I promise I will stop. Privy to the number of patients eligible for the study and the number excluded based on the exclusion criteria. This isn't a major criticism, um, and in fact, I'm probably being a little bit nitpicky here, uh, but I believe it does affect the generalizability of the data. It does, and uh, I'm surprised uh, how thoroughly you went over the different sections of the paper and found um, interesting differences like uh, 100 millimoles equaling to 2300 milligrams or 1500 milligrams that's interesting and you bring a lot of interesting observations to the method sections it's time for results and discussions so anand over to you again can we have your take please on the results yeah Param, we've been waiting for the results of the study So as Rachel pointed out earlier, this trial had to be stopped earlier on grounds of fertility and considering the operational feasibility amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. But still, 806 patients is near close sample size to the original 992. Now, 397 patients were assigned to the low-sodium group, while 409 were assigned to the usual care. The median age was 67 years, and 33% of them were women, and 66% were men. Nearly 70% of patients had heart failure. Uh, in one year preceding enrollment. Uh, notable in the baseline characteristics is the fact that nearly 80% of the patients were on uh, renin-angiotensin system inhibitors, 87% were on beta blockers, and 57% of them were on mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists. Now, since this trial had begun in 2014, it's obvious that SGLT2 inhibitors were not a part of the guideline-directed medical treatment for heart failure. 
but we are not given that data on diuretic use right anand we are not given the data on diuretic use i agree to that however as we know that these were patients with stable heart failure and they were on stable diuretic doses and no modification to this was done during the course of the study investigators sought to modify in principle the sodium content alone calorie and fluid intake and diuretic doses were not altered at all during this trial so i don't know what difference it would make we had got that data interesting that's a strong argument now at baseline the medium sodium intake was similar between the two groups it was 2286 mg per day in the low sodium group and it was 2119 mg per day in the usual care group this is not an unexpected finding because most patients with cardiovascular disease are routinely counseled to restrict sodium in their diet to levels less than 2.5 g per day now that's just an extrapolation from the general cardiovascular disease patients which i was alluding to earlier now those similar at baseline the sodium intake reduced over the intervention period achieving a median difference between the groups of 415 mg something which possibly the investigators wanted to achieve to begin with the baseline intake was less so we could not have achieved a greater reduction than possibly 500 mg and that looks fair enough now this reflects the effectiveness of the intervention as well compared to giving sodium restricted diets even a meal plan would also make a difference that's what i would take take away from this trial true and something that is doable to counsel patients in your clinic regarding meal plan but i wonder what about the primary outcome was it a positive or a negative trial unfortunately the reduction in sodium intake did not confer any benefit in terms of admissions for cardiovascular events emergency department visits or all cause death interesting so the study did not meet its primary endpoint i was just curious why would that be the reason remains uncertain here some possible explanations i can think of are a dietary intervention could possibly require a greater time to translate into clinical benefit or the patient cohort possibly included low risk individuals taking a cohort with a higher risk or a, maybe a higher baseline sodium intake could possibly be more informative anand what about the secondary endpoints were they also negative So although there is no significant difference in the primary outcome the patients assigned to the low sodium group had a modest improvement in the physical symptoms as assigned by the KCQS questionnaire and there was also a significant difference between the groups in the NYHA class at 12 months the patients in the low sodium group had a greater likelihood of improvement by one NYHA class compared to the usual care group interesting so there was benefit in some secondary endpoints any safety signals noted in the trial anand there were no safety events related to this intervention during the trial considering the fact that sodium is an essential nutrient and restricting it to possibly less than 1500 mg per day did not have any major adverse effects this definitely gives reassurance for implementing this intervention in future that's all about the results i have param over to you thanks anand what a walk over the results section and uh, i do concur to your inputs on that um having a meal plan which can work dietary restriction and i want to switch gears and uh, before i jump to the final remarks i need to have some inputs from rachel and see if she also agrees rachel you have any inputs here 
Thanks, Karam. Um, I certainly do. I think that's a beautiful summary of the results section and not really something I can refute. It's pretty clear in the statistics and the data that they obtain. Um, and interesting, um, I think, and surprising that there wasn't that clinical difference between the two groups. I have a few comments later that I might uh, leave you with in my final comment. Sounds good. Uh, Anand, what are your final take on this paper? Would you be recommending low salt to your patients? With how confidence would you be recommending it? And how much? Yeah, so my final take on this study is that I believe this is a vital trial when it comes to sodium restriction and heart failure for a multitude of reasons. And some of them are, number one, Though the trial may not be practice changing with respect to sodium restriction, I'm sure it changes our perception towards sodium. The way we look at sodium management in heart failure patients, it has made us think it's not always necessary to play stingy with sodium, at least in heart failure. And number two, it has questioned our general habit of extrapolating sodium management principles in hypertension and general cardiovascular disease patients to heart failure patients. Possibly these patients are a different cohort entirely. Heart failure patients respond differently to this intervention and the sodium HF trial possibly is an evidence for that. And thirdly, sodium restriction to less than 1.5 grams is not harmful at least and results in modest improvement in the quality of life and NYHA class, which makes it appealing for patients who remain symptomatic despite optimal directed medical therapy. So I possibly use this intervention, at least in patients who are not doing well despite optimal GDMT, though not for everyone. Thanks for sharing that. And it's good to know that sodium restriction less than 1.5, at least in the study, was not harmful. I know Rachel had some things saved us for us at the end and would like to have Rachel's final remarks, please. Thanks, Pram. Um, I may insert a little plug here. Bilal, one of our fellow POD2 interns, published the NFJC blog related to this trial. And he very cleverly posted this question, should we control salt delete? And ultimately, I think this landmark trial did demonstrate no statistically significant benefit of salt restriction in heart failure patients. And it also demonstrated, as Param um, said, that salt restriction of less than 1500 milligrams per day was safe. I think these two points are important and have potential to inform practice, but I would like to, like to leave you with a few other things to ponder. Firstly, I think it's important to note that both the intervention and control arms commenced the trial with a sodium intake that was pretty comparable. So 2,100 milligrams versus 2,300 milligrams per day. And actually both of these are the current international recommendations. By the end of the 12 month intervention, as Anand alluded to, there was a statistically significant difference in the salt intake between the two groups of about 400 milligrams per day. But I wonder if this is actually enough to demonstrate a clinical difference. Yeah, just 400 milligram salt intake difference may not be enough to tell one over the other, and perhaps we need a longer follow-up. Secondly, something I mentioned earlier, we didn't have the data on the initial population screened for the eligibility of the trial. And we did see lower than expected um, event rates in both groups. And so I wonder if this population is truly representative of our own patient cohorts, or were they a select group with potentially better than average adherence? I think this is all postulation, but I think just something to consider. And finally, it's always important to note this was an open label trial and therefore bias is difficult to avoid or sound for. Ultimately, we need to go back to physiology and I think we can all insert a shudder here. The physiology really does speak for itself. 
We know that heart failure is associated with neural hormonal activation and abnormalities in autonomic control that lead to sodium and water retention. We can therefore deduce that sodium restriction would be sensible to prevent fluid overload and affect clinical outcomes. And I think you'd be really hard pressed to convince a cardiologist to allow free access to salt for their heart failure patients. Thanks, Brian. Wow, that was an interesting take. Physiology speaks for itself. I'm amazed, uh, honestly, by my friends Anand and Rachel for going over the sodium HF trial in such granularity and sharing these insights. And um, great learning here. As Anand said, this study provides a randomized clinical trial based on robust evidence. And Rachel brings in the fact that baseline sodium consumption was generally low in both groups. And in conclusion, I would say in patients with heart failure, dietary intervention to reduce sodium intake did not reduce all-cause deaths, hospitalizations, or ED visits. However, patients felt better and had improved on NYHA class. So we gave you the data, we gave you our inputs, and it's to you to think about it and to recommend low-salt diet and thank you so much for joining in.